Longtime partnership between the uh, Star Tribune editorial board and WCC Radio continues right now. It's 138 Shad Hartman with Patricia Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune. John, I'll start with you. Read a couple graphs of what has taken place today at the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court seemed poised on Wednesday to uphold a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy based on sometimes tense and heated questioning regarding the momentous argument in this most important abortion case in decades. You have the six-member conservative majority. You have the three liberals. You also had, John, today, the three justices appointed by Donald Trump living up to what Donald Trump said he wanted them to do. Uh, For the folks who pay closest attention to this, today was an enormous day. For the rest of the public right now, where do you think they are at? For a lot of folks, it's uh, they may have a disagreement. They may not agree with Roe v. Wade, but they think this is settled law of 50 years. Others are paying attention. What is your sense, including right here in Minnesota, what kind of attention are people paying to this case? Not to the degree that the mer- merits in the matter and the gravitas of the case may eventually mean to the American political landscape. It has a potential to electrify the electorate in both directions if they eventually overturn Roe v. Wade. It's uncertain if that is going to be the outcome here. Some of the early analysis based on the questioning suggested that they may uphold the Mississippi law but not completely overturn Roe v. Wade as someone who's not as legally steeped as some of the more savvy observers that that seemed an odd disconnect um, because it's in effect uh, puts it where Mississippi is has its own laws that they are able to put forward on this highly contentious issue. And one would think that so many other states, particularly in the American South and Midwest, would do the same. And so you know, you in effect would have it on a state-by-state basis. So it's uncertain when and how it's going to eventually be adjudicated, but it could be a really significant issue in the upcoming congressional elections in 2022. Pat, same question to you about the attention and just your read like John offered up about what took place in court. I know at times... We can look at these questions and think of justice is leaning one way and it turns out the exact opposite. But how do you think it played out? Well, I, I find um, the events this morning very, very disturbing, uh, not only because I believe strongly in, um, you know, the rights of women to reproductive freedom, but just as importantly, because these justices are sending very strong signals. And you're right. Often, you know, there, it's a matter of interpretation and, you know, people take it a different way. And then it turns out that the judge rules differently. But here they're sending pretty much unmistakable signals that uh, and this is for a case that my understanding is not yet to be decided until sometime in June. Um, and, and the more they do this, the more they jeopardize the court's credibility and uh, legitimacy and and make these seem like blatantly political acts instead of matters that deserve serious consideration of the law itself and how to apply it. And and I, I think that does lasting damage um, to this court. And 
hopefully Judge Roberts will be able to, uh, or Justice Chief Justice Roberts will be able to, you know, temper these remarks a little bit and and bring back a little bit of due consideration for a matter like this. Haven't we reached a point, though, Pat, depending upon where people see a particular issue, including something uh, as vital as abortion, that people are going to look at it politically almost no matter what? Yes, they will. They, they absolutely will. Um, but I would like to think that, uh, you know, the Supreme Court of the United States would take a different tack and would actually weigh this and weigh very heavily before they rule against something that has been standing law for half a century. And then just to, as Brett Kavanaugh said, just to turn it over to the states is a really cavalier way of treating it and just turns this into a huge political fight and one in which Americans will no longer have the same rights depending on what state they live in. And that, that, that strikes me as just a, a really bad outcome. John, it is. And we don't know how it's going to play out. But it is such a reminder about what did happen at the end of the Obama administration with Merrick Garland when he was appointed with months and months and months to go, or nominated, excuse mm-hmm. me, and then how differently, John, it played out right away with Justice Gorsuch, and then when Ruth Ginsburg dies, and it's just a couple months before the election, how things, all of a sudden, the standards were completely different, and the precedents we were citing, completely different, and Justice uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and how important, John, she could be on this case. Indeed, and you're quite right. And it was just a few weeks before the election that the Senate confirmed her nomination to the highest court in the land. And it also, looking forward, puts even more potential pressure on Justice Breyer, who is in his 80s as well. And there has been some open push for him to retire while President Biden still has a slender one vote with Vice President Harris, Senate majority, to be able to potentially get her get uh, his replacement through should he decide to retire. So that's where I think a lot of the discussion and speculation will advance if depending on how this case is adjudicated in June. But again, that's only just a few months before the midterm elections and just, you know, five, six months before a new Congress, which clearly could be Republican at this point in the House and the Senate, is sworn in. So I think we're going to hear a whole lot about this in the upcoming campaigns. Well, it should, it just shows that there are no ahead. standards. There, there are no standards. Um, the, the, the rule um, so far in, uh, in the Senate, at, at least under McConnell, has been if you have the power, you make the rules and you change them when it suits you. And that, that is not supposed to be the way things work. Uh, I, I don't I don't know what the remedy for that is. It's, you know, it's already done and um, this could create lasting damage. And this is part of the price uh, that we're having to pay. Well, Pat, uh, John raised the issue of Justice Breyer. Justice mm-hmm. Breyer recently had a book out and he did a series of interviews. There didn't sound like there was one sign at all that he wants to leave. It was the same thing with Justice Ginsburg. It is a remarkably important position. They love Mm -hmm. it, and they don't want to leave. 
No, no, they don't. And I, it, it is enough to make me rethink uh, the whole appointment for life. I, I mean, there, there should be a way to, you know, have the appointments that are staggered during um, presidential terms, but, you know, maybe not to the very end of your days, because clearly um, they love the power of this uh, more than anything. And, and to just unlock their grip on it, even when they're in failing health, even when we don't know, you know, what their full mental capacity is, it, it's just, it's not right. It's too important a job for that. John, do you see any scenario where obviously it'd be an extended period of time, maybe it's 20 years, whereas 25 years, where some level of term limits would come in? And is it only going to be pushed by the side that looks and says our justices are older, so we're worried about it, so we're going to push this? Do you see any uniformity, the rare bipartisan idea? I think that's more likely than the non-starter of adding more seats to the Supreme Court, which was raised during the campaign. And I think there would be no support for that currently among the Republicans and actually very little among the Democrats as well. And so I don't think that's going anywhere. There could be a time, particularly as they try to unwind what Patricia described as a system that really has broken down in many ways, that that is a way that both sides can approach it and stand down from a really damaging process to the institution itself. And so we'll have to see, but boy, you know, we can't agree on raising the debt ceiling by the end of the week and run a risk of default here. So something that fundamental. Another benefit to this is that, it would it would nip in the bud this absurd tendency toward younger and younger justices that are being named in the hopes that they will have decades to influence the bench. I, I, I really think more and more there should be set terms. Let's just go a little bit longer here instead of taking the break and we can stay with the conversation. Uh, Pat, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar faced uh, a disgusting attack. Mm-hmm from Representative Bobart from Colorado, uh, insinuating that she's intent on harm. She didn't have her backpack with her, the Jihad squad, mm-hmm. a line that Bobart has used multiple times before. Yeah. Uh, there was a phone call set up between the two. Obviously, the two are uh, characterizing the phone call completely different. There is an awful lot of silence from the Republican Party and for the few Republicans will stand out and condemn this. You're allowed to condemn this. And by the way, completely disagree with Representative Omar. They shouldn't be mutually exclusive. When somebody speaks out about it, they're called a rhino. What do you think about mm-hmm. how this is playing out? Because let's be honest, the editorial board has been tough at times on Ilhan Omar. And by the way, Representative Omar has been tough on the Star Tribune. You first, and then mm-hmm. John, on how this has played out. Well, I, I don't. I think um, uh, Bobert's comments were reprehensible. I think that I heard the actual um, recording that uh, Representative Omar played um, of this, you know, person who called in, yeah. making right. very serious and graphic um, threats against her life and safety. 
And, uh, you know, that is the kind of uh, conduct that this sort of thing engenders. And it's just reprehensible when it happens on the Republican side and when it happens on the Democratic side. Um, I, I think they just all need to hold themselves to a slightly higher standard uh, of behavior. And that ought to be enforced by leadership. Um, and this idea that Republicans are prepared to give Representative Boebert a pass on this, just like they did, you know, a slap on the wrist for Paul Gosar, who had this um, ridiculous cartoon depicting um, uh, the death of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's really beyond disgusting. And I don't I don't know what's, you know, what's left of this. Can, can we just bring a little bit of civility back to this? John? It is Representative McCarthy's responsibility as the Republican leader to bring his colleagues in line, and he has completely dodged that responsibility for fear of President Trump backing those representatives who most back him, Representative Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and, of course, the Colorado representative whose reprehensible comments should be condemned by everyone across the aisle. I would also add that there are four Minnesota Republican representatives. They are colleagues and they are a state delegation that need to and indeed should work together on some matters of great state importance. And their silence doesn't help that unity that ultimately is supposed to help the state, which is why we send these representatives to Congress in the first place. So all around, this is wrong. And is the point you made, Chad, one does not have to agree with Representative Omar. One can be a rock rib Republican and think this is not how the greatest democracy in the world should conduct itself and people should speak out. And the silence, as Patricia said, has been deafening. I have to jump in. We're out of time. Always enjoy the conversation. Be well, and we'll uh, talk soon. Thank you. Pat Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune. Check us out on Twitter at ACA30, at Dan Cook, WCCO, at Chad Hartman Show. Early next hour, among our topics, a number of them, Jerry Kill and his perpetual persecution complex. Enough, country Jer. Seriously. Now we'll tell the truth about some things involving Jerry and P.J. Fleck. Adam and CBS up next.